beginning a period of group practice for this week. Considering a place to begin, the Buddha often said, right view comes first. It's the first element of the Eightfold Path. And uh, he also compared it to the, the lightening of the sky in the early morning. So just as the, the arising of light in the sky precedes the rising of the sun, so too, right view, samaditi, precedes, is the forerunner of all wholesome states. Everything good follows from right view. When we use the word right view, sometimes it can come across as a set of beliefs or ideas that we are supposed to take to be true. And that's part of it, trusting the, the Buddha's perspective, his descriptions of reality. But in its essence, right view, right understanding, it's more about a way of seeing the attitude of the heart, the mind, the way it holds this present experience, the framework for experience. It's what we mean by right view. So establishing that intention at the beginning of this, this period of group practice together. What are the views that we have? What are the uh, customary, the ordinary places that we start from? My retreat's beginning. I've got opportunity to, to meditate some more. I've got a lot of problems I need to get rid of. I've got some... Uh, areas of Dhamma practice I, I want to develop, I want to get concentration, I want to get insight. These kind of attitudes are completely ordinary, natural. The mind easily thinks in terms of self-view. I am hearing, I am feeling, I am meditating. This is my body, my mind, my life. These emotions are mine. These thoughts, this experience is, is mine. They belong to a me. A self-view is where we start from. So in order to, to establish right view, seeing things clearly, and it's important to recognize those habits of self-view, how strong they are, how much they influence the way that this life, this world, is experienced. Part of the, the picture is also that when we use the word right, or sama, it doesn't just mean right as opposed to wrong, but it's related to the quality of harmony. When the strings of a musical instrument are tuned to a harmonious arrangement. 
That's called Sama. So right view is also attuned view, a view that is in harmony with reality, with nature, with Dhamma. Lumpur Sumedho used to regularly point out that to to begin our practice or to take as the starting point of Dhamma practice, uh, I'm an unenlightened person who's got to do something now to to become enlightened in the future, is a wrong view, is an unskillful place to, to start from. It presumes that there's an independent individual I, a me, who's a doer. An I who is the owner of various problems and various potentials. I've got to get rid of those problems, I've got to develop the potentials, get insight, get concentrated, and become enlightened sometime in the future. On the worldly level that might seem to make perfect sense. Yeah, that's, that's right, Ajahn. That's the fact, isn't it? But if we only see things from that worldly conditioned perspective, then the heart is still tied to self, time, location. It's attaching to the conditioned realm. Attaching to the five khandhas, identified with the five khandhas, therefore, in a state of dukkha, necessarily that's going to be unsatisfactory. It's based on ignorance, not seeing the full picture. So therefore, the result is dukkha. If you start off with ignorance, avicca, it leads to dukkha, dissatisfaction, alienation, discontent. It has to. So what Lumpur Sumedha would usually recommend was to change the view, make a, a paradigm shift, change the frame of reference rather than me and my problems or me and my practice, me who's got to get rid of my defilements and develop my enlightenment factors. Rather, in this moment, to see that here is the aware mind, here is the quality of knowing, awareness, appreciating the patterns of experience. Here's the awake mind, knowing the way things are. The sounds of the machinery and the building project in the nun's area, the sound of my voice, the weight of your body on the cushion or the chair, Feelings of understanding, not understanding, moods of sleepiness or alertness, distraction, focus, these different patterns of perception arise, take shape, dissolve continuously. And they're known here by this quality of awareness, this vijja, this awakened, aware quality of the heart. So we set this as the framework for the practice, not 
me doing something now to become enlightened in the future, but here is the awake mind, knowing the way things are right now. As you can say, the, here is the Buddha seeing the Dhamma. That awake, aware quality, knowing nature, knowing the way things are. That which knows the person isn't a person. That which knows these thoughts, this body, these perceptions. It knows the personal, it knows the body, it knows the name, the story, the feelings, the sounds, the smells, the tastes, the forms and colors. It knows the personal, but it's not a person. So, establishing the view in this way, giving this as the, f the framework for our experience, for our practice, then rather than starting from the place of me as a person who's got to do something to be different, here is the awake mind, knowing this moment, knowing the way things are. There's work to be done, actions to be taken, directions to be given, but that's not based on self-view, rather it's based on Dhamma. So this is shifting the view from self-centered to Dhamma-centered or nature-centered. If we start out with awareness, with vijja, then this leads to, to peace, to clarity, to integration. If the framework for the practice is in tune with reality, in tune with dhamma, if you start out with vijja, it ends with nibbana, peace, freedom. So in these first days of the retreat, then it's natural for all of the very self-based habits to arise. You know, I'm listening, I'm meditating, I'm carrying out my chore, I'm walking, I'm hearing. All those I am's seem completely normal and natural. So as the retreat begins, catch that, notice that. Bring attention to those habits of self-view. Challenge that. Rather than I'm hearing, there's hearing arising in this moment. Rather than I'm confused, here is the experience of confusion arising, passing, changing, disappearing in this moment. I'm really enjoying this. Here is a perception of, I'm really enjoying this, arising, taking shape, dissolving. So all of those I am's, I have, I'm doing, I want, I don't want, this is mine, this is me, bring attention to those as they arise. Say, pop into being, rise up, take shape through the course of the day. Notice that, challenge that. 
use the quality of reflective wisdom, investigation, to notice those habits of thinking, challenge them, and then see what happens when that challenge is made. When that self-creating habit is noticed, I'm thinking, I'm feeling, and it's caught, identified. No, it's not me thinking, I am thinking, I'm feeling, I remember, but here is memory, here is feeling. This is hearing, seeing, arising and dissolving. When that change of view is applied, what happens in the heart? What does the I am feel like? Notice the quality of tensing, stressing. Even if it's very subtle, notice that sense of alienation, the self-contraction, that tensing in the heart, in the body. And then when that's challenged and that self-view is let go of, even for a moment, oh, it's not me hearing, it's just hearing. It's not me practicing, it's just the practice being carried out. Oh, how does that feel? What's the quality of the heart when the grasping stops? When the grip is loosened, when that tension dissolves, even just for a moment, a second, half a second, how does it feel? What is the nature of the heart free of grasping? Notice that. Let that be the, the guiding force for establishing this right view, attuned view. Because when the grasping stops, if you notice, look for yourself, there's simplicity, peacefulness, spaciousness, and no sense of self. There's knowing, there's feeling, but it's not a person. That sense of I-ness and me-ness and minus has dissolved for a moment. Notice that quality of the heart, free of grasping, clinging. How is it? Let that natural, simple delight be fully conscious. Let that be the ground for experience, that which you measure the flow of experience against. So that whenever the mind grasps, gets caught up in doing something, worrying about something, annoyed by something, desiring something, this becomes the way we relate to it, noticing that tension, that dukkha. Noticing it, feeling it, letting go. Letting go of the, the identification, the craving, clinging, and noticing the peacefulness that comes from that. So this is the other definition of right view, is seeing in terms of the Four Noble Truths. This doesn't mean to say believing, having an opinion that the Four Noble Truths are true. It's not just an idea. 
but setting that framework of seeing in terms of the Four Noble Truths. Not whether it's inside or outside, but is there dukkha? Not whether it's pure or, or impure, is there dukkha? Not whether we like it or dislike it, but is there dukkha? Is there the tensing, stressing in the heart over some thought or feeling, mood, sensation, taste or sound, visual form? Is there dukkha? If there's dukkha, where does it come from? Feeling, knowing the clinging, the craving that the dukkha has come from, trying to hold on to a pleasant experience, afraid of some danger in the future, annoyed by some unpleasant thing in the present. Seeing where the clinging is happening, this is pahatabhanti, letting go, letting go of that craving and clinging. So recognizing the dukkha is the first noble truth, Feeling the grasping and letting it go is second noble truth. When the grasping stops, there's peace. Dukkha nirodha. Recognizing that is the third noble truth. And developing this process in every dimension of our field of experience, this is the fourth noble truth. Cultivating the path. Developing the path in terms of view, intention, speech, action, livelihood, effort, mindfulness, concentration. So establishing that attuned view is taking the attention off whether we like it or don't like it, whether it's inside or outside, but is there dukkha? We make that the framework. That's the reference point. If there's dukkha, it's coming from some kind of clinging. What's being clung to? Wherever the clinging is, that's where the letting go happens. And when the letting go has happened, how does it feel? What does peace taste like? What's its texture? And being informed by that peace, guided by that quality, let there be effort, effort into the development of the path. And that effort coming from mindfulness and wisdom, supported by mindfulness and wisdom, not me doing my practice or me trying to get somewhere, but rather feeling and knowing the beauty, the power of peacefulness, let that ignite, bring alive mindfulness and wisdom and that's what then guides the effort that is needed that's what enables the path to be developed